Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, a quick note that today's episode is brought to you by 2Before. 2Before is a product that I've been using for many months now. It is one of my go-to pre-run rituals that I take before my run, and it is something that has significantly contributed to my performance within my runs and workouts and overall just made me feel better. If you've never heard of 2Before before, it is blackcurrants, which are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand, and studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. Blackcurrants also manage inflammation and kickstart muscle recovery, meaning you can hit the next training session feeling strong. Guys, it's used by professional running team Tin Man Elite, as well as teams in the NFL, NBA, and the NCAA, so it's tried and tested. You guys can get 30% off of 2Before with code the running effect 30 not only does this get you 30% off but also free shipping i've left a link to two before's website in the show notes so you guys can scroll down and hit that link or go directly to their website two before.com that's the number two before.com again 30% off with code the running effect 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect podcast with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and I'm extremely excited you've clicked on today's episode. I have a little more of a unique conversation today in reflection of hearing so many interviews like post-race interviews with the Brooks Beast, which is one of the most successful track clubs in the world. All of their athletes, uh, a few of whom I've had on the podcast, Nia Aikens and Isaiah Harris, they all mention the same person and talk about how she's played a pivotal role in their success and that's their team's athletic trainer, Sarah Bear Cross. So I was like, man, okay, I'm interested in learning more about this person. So I Googled her name and literally could not find any information regarding Sarah. So then I shot her a DM and I'm like, you know, hey, would you be interested in doing a podcast? Because she hasn't had the opportunity to, to share her story and upbringing in the sport. So that's kind of where today's conversation came from. And it was an absolute pleasure being able to share Sarah's story, hear her story and kind of pick apart what it's like to be a world-class athletic trainer. I thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation. Sarah is full of ebullience and just brought a lot of wisdom into today's conversation. And again, because I've never heard her story, I'm assuming you guys haven't heard her story unless you're like a family or friend of hers listening. It was just like, I hadn't heard her story before and I always love hearing stories that I just have no clue about. So I thoroughly enjoyed hearing what it takes to be a world-class athletic trainer and her work with the Brooks Beasts as well as her journey to get there. One quick note before we hop into today's awesome conversation. If you have not already done so, I would greatly appreciate you guys giving us a follow, a five-star review, and sharing with a friend or two who you think will benefit from it. Without further ado, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the one and only Sarah Bear Cross. Sarah, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. First question for you, hot out the gate. We're going to go into many different sectors in today's conversation, but I want to cover your story and how you got to where you're at today. What do you think would be a good point to get us started in terms of sharing your story and your journey? Yeah, well, it's funny that you say like this might uh, this podcast like might reach athletes that like become future athletic trainers. I feel like that's a little bit and like not everyone's going to be Isaiah or Josh or Nia and things like that. And I feel like that kind of kicks off my story as far as like kind of what even got me interested in athletic training or kinesiology was that like I was an athlete my whole life, like primarily played softball, but running was like such a huge part of like my beginning of an athletic journey. It was something I did like for fun, something that I like to like share with my mom and with my friends that played other sports. Um, Like running kind of felt like that common ground between us all. And so it was something that like, um, yeah, kicked off just like loving sports, loving the human body. My first job in like high school was in a fitness gym. Uh, Although it was in the childcare center, I still like loved that atmosphere of seeing like the human body in, in motion. And so um, decided I wanted to go, wanted to go to college for kinesiology, and really wanted to go to a big university with like, um, yeah, great athletic program. So that also meant like kind of putting my own athletics on the side. So like I played softball, thought about pursuing college. I was average, like I could have maybe gone to a smaller school, but I decided I kind of wanted to pursue athletics in a, in a different realm. Um, and kind of go into like the other side of things. And so that's what kind of like sparked me looking into the athletic training program at LSU. 
Um, that program is you spend the whole like kind of first year of the program trying to get into the program. It's really intense. Um, you're doing a lot of like clinical hours and like, taking a lot of tests like throughout that time frame. And then once you get accepted into the program, I think like 60 or so people applied by the end of kind of checking all these boxes that you have to check before you can apply. And then um, our class whittled down to like 15 is like how many people were selected for like our class of athletic trainers. So I was super, super lucky off the bat to have like just an awesome class of people. You get really close, like a sports team, like these people, you just, you got so close and like learning um, and kind of growing together. And um, you kind of like, you get separated out into each sport. So not only are you like growing as like a learning class, but then you like are growing with each of the sports that you're kind of assigned to. So you have like a year long rotation um with whatever sport and so um that definitely like kind of kind of kicked things off for me and again like, not an elite athlete like growing up but sports were a really big part and so then I like I didn't start off as like it was really hard to get into the program but I think something I'll like maybe even touch on later is kind of that like learning really early on like a work-life balance I like wanted to do everything in college I want I was in a sorority I wanted to like make friends I wanted to have a lot of experiences but then I wanted this athletic training job so badly or like wanted to do that. But it just like that first year, it just it was really hard to manage. I like for sure wasn't top of my class. I was like really trying to get by and everything. I was like, I want to do it all. And so I um, ended up studying abroad in Australia in between my um, sophomore and junior year. And that's when things like really set a fire for me. Like I it was like a huge turning point and just my like focus and ability to like um yeah, just really know what was important. I'm like, if I want to like have a job that like takes me around the world, if I want to have a job that's like working with elite athletes, that's like collaborating with these like high level professionals, like I've like really got to like get it into gear. I've really got to like come back like on fire for athletic training. So that's what I did that like going into my junior year, I happened to have track and field as my LSU rotation. Um, so that was awesome timing for me too. I like what's so cool about track and field and something that I loved while working in New Mexico, I'll maybe get to that in a little bit of this story, but I um, love track and field in the sense you're working with men and women, you're um, working with like field event athletes and runners and just like across that whole, like everything that you'll see in track and field, you'll get such a great like idea of the human body. Like the injuries just span like from everything from like, you know, your finger to your big toe in your head and neck. Like it's just like, yeah, you really get a little bit of everything. So that year was like really important to me from a um, like athletic training growth standpoint. And then when it came time, like my senior year to start applying for like graduate assistantships, which is kind of like at the time what the segue was for an athletic trainer, you um, you like maybe want to go, you like become an athletic trainer right out of undergrad. Now it's changed. You have to go and get a master's degree to become an athletic trainer, but it was different when I was graduating. So I was like, okay, I'm like, it's my senior year. I want to, I want to go be a graduate assistant somewhere. I want to like go to a, a different area of the country. I grew up in Houston, Texas, and there was in Louisiana. So I'm like, okay, where can I go? And so I had like three interviews in one day. I had like a few other on other days, but I remember like being like, hey, this is a huge day. I've got all these interviews. And so I interviewed with the University of New Mexico. Um, they were interviewing for the track and field position. And um, I had like had that awesome experience at LSU with track and field. I'm like, okay, I, I like loved how much I learned then. I really liked the sport. Like this would be awesome to kick off like my professional career. I, um, the passion like grew over time. So I won't, I won't say that was like my key passion. Like there was a few sports I probably would have been interested in at that time. Um, it, that's changed now. I'm like, I'm all in on track and field, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I like interviewed with New Mexico, I hung up the phone, like 45 minutes later, got a call that I was offered the position, kind of took the weekend to think about it. And then yeah, the rest is history for me and like kind of kicking off my professional career from there. So I hope that kind of like answered where you wanted to start. But I think it, it what you said at the beginning, it was kind of like perfect in the sense of like, yeah, not not every athlete or someone who's passionate about sports gets to the level that some of the people I work with now are at. Many different things that we can go into from there, but something I'm always curious about when I have a guest who got started in the sport of running through a different sport is what are the biggest lessons that sport taught them? So for you, it was softball. That's what you were interested mm -hmm. in. That's what you uh, played at a high level. So what are some of the biggest lessons that softball taught you that you think you carry with you in today's life? Yeah, I feel like that's, uh, it's a little bit uh, cliche from a teamwork standpoint, but absolutely teamwork. I mean, that was something that like was really important to me. I played a lot of like select sports growing up. So it was like a really a big year long commitment. And so being like really dedicated to a team, I think like 
made uh, like sacrificing time away from like other things you might have been interested in as a kid because you were like doing it for a team. I just felt like that was so important. So that's something that I've kind of continued on, like working with a team, being able to collaborate with others, getting along with different personalities, um, I think is super helping me with like the different athlete personalities, different coaching personalities, different medical professional personalities. I think like, yeah, early on, like knowing how well to like work with the team and then also that sacrifice element. I mean, growing up, like playing any year long sport, um, you're making sacrifices. Like you're like a teenage teenager. You're like, Oh, I just want to like hang out with my friends. But I've got like softball tournaments every weekend this summer. You're like, Oh, like, you know, something's got to give. And I think like, learning that really early on and then like experiencing that in college of just like knowing that I can't do it all and then kind of like even to my life now and how I like manage a work-life balance it's like yeah just knowing that like sacrifices aren't going to be made but if you're really like passionate about what you're doing and passionate about the people that you're doing it with it's worth it coming from a non-running standpoint I know you kind of shared this a little little bit ago but diving deeper into it what was like the biggest thing that made track and field and running stand out to you as something that you were like, oh, let's go explore that. And how can I bring value to that sport and the athletes within it? Yeah. So um, in that time, I like track and field at LSU, which kind of like kicked off the interest. Right. I, I talked a little bit about like just the opportunity for learning that was there with all the different like events that ha- go on with track and field and working with like male and female athletes. Um so there was that opportunity, but we also had an awesome program drug. First of all, the mentors at LSU are phenomenal. We had like phenomenal female mentors and male mentors and like um, just everyone uh, in between. And so our program director had his own like um, company where he, he was like the program leader. So he was like the leader of education, but then he went on and had his own company where he'd like contracted out to like large races. So I had the opportunity to work. Like I worked at the Boston marathon um, the year after the bombing. We went there as like a group of medical volunteers. That was like a really impactful experience for me. We had three students there and our program lead, the year of the bombing and that was just something that hit like our class really hard we two of those people i would consider like really close friends at the time and so to then go back there the next year and help them kind of finish this big event and see so many people like really so emotionally invested around this race that was really impactful that like really kind of like the the racing idea and like just running in general that like feeling of accomplishment, watching people like train and achieve goals. Like you're really having to work for something that's like for yourself, but then you saw people like running for something bigger than themselves too. So I think at the time that was so impactful, then went on to work like Louisiana marathon, like a iron man. And so that kind of kicked off like, okay, like running from like a passion, like how you feel about this, like a, witnessing someone accomplish something. Like I just got that like feeling. I'm like, wow, like this is just like, just makes you feel good. You know, you're like, this is so cool that these people are doing this. Like, how can I help them? was kind of like, like, I love that I get to see them finish this race, but if I can be there like along the whole way, like, how can I do that? You know, like I want to see them from like the beginning of their training plan to this moment. And so I think like starting to witness some of that and then um, kicking off at UNM, we, um, so yeah, I got graduate assistantship at University of New Mexico. I'd like never been to Albuquerque before, (laughs) just moved here in a U-Haul. And uh, we were really lucky to like, I like immediately like kind of clicked with the coaching staff, which was awesome. And we like kicked off with a lot of success that first cross season. Our women got third, which was like their highest place at the time. Um, Our men also placed top 10. I can't remember what place, maybe seventh. I'm not sure, 100% (laughs) sure on that. I can't quite remember. But yeah, so I think like then getting to be a part of that whole process, but being kind of the lead on that. As a student, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities, but then to be the person that was like, okay, like everyone's coming to you. Like, how can you really help these people achieve their goals? And so, so yeah, that's when the passion like really kicked off. And then, I mean, the early success and being a part of something like that, like I had that feeling that I had, but I was experiencing it with them. You know, you're like giving those hugs at the end of um, them competing and you're like, you're up there to like the last minute helping them with things and like, um, so yeah, to like, I think that that really grew kind of my passion for like wanting to dive deeper with runners and yeah, just track and field in general. As you shared your story there, and as I've heard many people in your profession or similar professions in the medical field uh, share their stories, I am always amazed by how much work it takes to get there. I see you, I see what you do, and I just don't think twice about it. But then when you dive into the story, you're like, oh my gosh, you went to this place for this many years and then this place to get this experience. And um, it's truly remarkable. So I'm curious in relation to your journey, was there a specific moment you can think back to that was particularly difficult that was maybe like a turning point 
uh, for you personally in continuing on this journey that you think back to as kind of like a crossroads of continuing? Because I'm sure it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows uh, to get to this place. Yeah. Oh, that's a great Great question. I think that first turning point that happened for me was the like the studying abroad, right? Like I I was like in it, but not really. And I wasn't doing a great job of like work life balance and like, or at the time, like school life balance. Um, So that like studying abroad and like that really kind of uh, experience that I had being so profound and being like, wow, I really if I like work really hard, like I can achieve so much more um, than I like would achieve if I'm doing what I'm doing right now. So that was like the first turning point. And then I would say the next turning point was like, you know, you have to like pass these classes and like get the degree in athletic training. So that like kicks off into the next the next segue. And then there was at UNM, a graduate assistantship is supposed to be like two years long. Um, so you kind of like have this end date, right? And so here I am, I'm like two years in. The um, the second year I was there, the women won like the cross champs for the first time. And then we had some individual winners in uh, like NCAAs that outdoor summer. We were going into this like, uh, whatchamacallit, Olympic trials year, right? So it's like we're going into that sum- 2016 summer Olympic trials. I like just had all the success and like loving this. So actually, yeah, that would have been, yeah. That, so that would have been the end of my second year. Yeah. And so here I am thinking like, oh my gosh, is this coming to an end? I feel like we've just like kicked things off. I like the Olympic trials is such a big deal. We have like some athletes going. And so I um, am really lucky that there was like kind of two things that happened at that time. One, because of like the work I put in, UNM decided to change my position from a graduate assistantship to a full-time position. So that really like segued into being like, okay, I can be here. Like I can invest more time. My time here isn't done. I can like continue to like pursue beyond like, where I'm at right now and so what that looked like for me was like okay I had like gotten two years at UNM while you're doing while you're being a full-time athletic trainer you're also trying to go to grad school and that balance was really difficult and so I had I did have this like really difficult turning point that summer I was supposed to take a class for grad school that like would have set me on like a really nice path for um things and I um and so that class was like kind of critical timing but then I had met some awesome athletic trainers one of them which Dustin Williams he's like really well known in USA track and field at the time he was with Arizona and so he was someone that our coaching staff like already was a go-to and he's like they're like you've got to meet him like he's just a great mentor so I met him and he was like hey I think like the Olympic trials are looking for more volunteer athletic trainers like you should reach out to this guy Delaney um, like he could be awesome for like getting you involved. And I was like, that is something I totally want to do. I like want to continue to pursue like elite track and field. And so I made the sacrifice to like not do that grad school class that summer and instead go for like two weeks and work the Olympic trials. And I, I don't regret that at all. I mean, that like totally segued into like continuing to like make connections and like pursue like, um, more of an elite track and field. So I feel like those were like big turning points is like kind of making, coming back from studying abroad getting to grad school, but then kind of deciding like, okay, I'm going to stay at UNM. My time here is not done. And then really wanting to like kind of making that choice, like grad school classes or go and have this big experience. And I, at the time I was like, ah, this big experience I think is more important. And it, it definitely paid off. Like the connections I made there, are like the only reason I'm here today with the beasts. So in my own life, in your life, as you just shared, and in the life of every person who's listening to this, we all have these crossroads where they're like two different options or three different options and it hurts our soul to pick between the three or the two or it's just like a difficult process trying to discern what's best for ourselves and what's going to be best for our future lives what would you say to the listener in terms of deciding at that crossroads from your own personal experience and what you just shared there of what the right answer is as much as you can come up with it yeah um it's interesting the team the beasts and i just read um this like early spring book grit and one of the things i think like unm is a time where it taught me like a lot of grit it was like seven days a week of work like year long like it was like we were just we were always like grinding um it's something my so something my husband and i like talk about now it's like he was also an athletic trainer at unm at the time and so we ended up we met at UNM he's working with men's soccer we're like married now like years and years later um but at the time we're like wow we went through this like shared experience and like came up you know came up the other end after like all this like crazy crazy stuff that we did um like working wise and so um yeah so reading the book grit it talked a lot about like kind of finding this like higher goal for yourself like okay what are the what's the thing I really want to accomplish and what else is like kind of like fluff to that like how many like distractions are there that are keeping me from this like top level goal and so I think like 
if you, I mean, and sometimes it's hard. Maybe you don't really know what your goal is yet. Maybe you're still trying to like kind of discern like your path or like what's going to lead you to it. But I think really first finding that goal and then realizing what things are distractions, like keeping you from that goal. And so, yeah, that would be my advice is like, Grit then talks about like being really gritty to like make that goal happen. But I think a lot of it is like, yeah, finding out the thing that you want to do. And then you might have to make hard decisions along the way. But, you know, if it's not helping you get to that goal, then it might not be important. So can you bridge the gap between the the stories you've shared to what you're doing today with the Brooksby's? How did you get into this position? How long you've been with them? And what's it like, uh, you know, working day to day with some of the best athletes in the world? Yeah. And so my time at UNM was awesome. Um, I then kept getting connected with more USA track and field in my time with UNM. We went on to have like still more success at UNM. So it was definitely like when it, when the decision time came, it was very bittersweet. I felt very like um, connected and invested in the team. I actually like, so um, an athletic trainer that was working with a professional jumps group out of Chula Vista uh, reached out. He was someone I had connected with through USA track and field. And he was like, Hey, listen, like, the coach that I work with knows his coach in Seattle. He works for the Brooks team. His name is Danny Mackey. He um, is looking for an athletic trainer and asked me if I knew anyone or wanted me to like help create this list of people that might be interested in the position. I thought of your name. How would you feel if I passed along your info? And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like, yes, like, please pass along my info. So I ended up being the first to reach out to Danny. I was like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my shot here. I emailed him and Danny's like, yes, we're interested. Um, do you want to come out for an interview? That was like the week of NCAAs in 2017 for UNM. They went on to win that NCAAs, but I was like so excited for this interview. Like, here we are, dream job. And, but I had to email back and say like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't come out this week. We've got NCAAs and I just like can't leave the team at this time. Um, Can I come next week? And so I knew that that was like, kind of a gamble like I was like oh man what if he like doesn't want to bring me back because I'm like denying this time like I don't know what their timeline is and I but at the same time I was like that's who you are Sarah like you're not going to step away from a team like this close to something so big so like hopefully he sees that and that's like that helps you in a way and so um I think it did we I flew out like right after that to Seattle um got back like on a Sunday flew out Monday uh interview was through Tuesday and then um before I like hopped on the plane I had the offer and so um, within like a week, I was in Seattle. So it was like December of 2017. We like, I packed up like everything in Albuquerque, kind of like closed out stuff. Um, it was definitely like a hard goodbye, like I said. Um, and yeah, then I moved up to Seattle with the Beast. I have now been with them for five and a half years. It'll be six years in December. And it's been awesome. Really is my dream job. I think it's like so cool working. Like I'm, I'm really passionate about what I do. Um, but then getting to work with people who are so passionate about what they're doing, it only like lifts you up to want to be better. Like they are trying to be the absolute best in the world. So like, I also want to be the best in the world for them. And so I think like from a motivation standpoint to like always continue growing and like being your best, which I think is so important in athletic training. Like one of the things that I would like from an advice standpoint that I would give anyone is like, so yeah, so working with athletes that are like so passionate about what they're doing and, um, like I'm so passionate about what I'm doing. So while they're trying to be the best in the world, like I want to be the best in the world for them. I think like athletic trainers are sometimes known as like the jack of all trades, medical professionals. And so like you're great at like diagnosing and rehabbing and preventing and treating injuries, managing emergencies, like counseling, like you're just kind of like, you're filling in like so many different roles uh, for a team. Um, But I think the, the biggest disservice that you can do with like all the knowledge you have is like thinking that you know it all. It's kind of like an athlete, like it's like, okay, like you don't just like, get to the peak of your training and then never train again right like no you have to like keep going you have to keep like putting in the work to be better to like keep PR and it's like it's the long game right and so I think like for athletic training it's like it's also that long game like one of the most important things is kind of like knowing what you don't know like don't get me wrong we have to know a lot like there's definitely like don't go into it like you you, you can't be going in blind like there's so much work that you have to put in to know what you know but then um the moment that you like stop like growing and seeking is like when you're going to get stagnant and so I think like yeah, working with professional athletes and like where I'm at with the beast, it's um, it's awesome because like they're continuing to grow, they're continuing to like be pushing the limits of like um, being the best in the world, and so like that's kind of I want to be like right along there with them, kind of like also pushing myself to be the best in the world. So I love that. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's easy when they're like so motivated too. As someone who I'm sure is looked up to as someone who knows it all and as someone who's confident and as someone who like athletes confide in, is it ever hard for you personally to 
admit, hey, I don't know about this or hey, I could learn more about this. Give me a week and I'll get back to you. Some of the things you were just sharing there at the end of your response of, you know, admitting when you don't know and trying to use that as a catalyst to to learn more about things that you don't know. Do you ever find it Mm -hmm. hard to admit that because you're looked up to as someone who, quote unquote, knows it all in your profession? (laughs) <laughs> well, I won't say knows it all, you know, you know, a lot about a lot, right? Like, you're like, kind of like, you're dipping your toes in like so many different like worlds of the medical field. But no, I think it is ego can like really be your enemy as an athletic trainer. Like the second that you like think that you know it all, and then you don't collaborate with others, like that's not for the betterment of the athlete. So I actually like, I don't think I know it all. And if anything, like collaborating with other people, I think is like so important. And so like, um, not only like collaborating with like our coaching staff, but there's so many people that I'm like, in touch with constantly. And that's all for the betterment of the athlete. So like, with our team specifically, we have our head coach, Danny, our assistant coach, Julian, um, our nutritionist, Dr. Kyle, then we have strength and conditioning specialists that are here in uh, Albuquerque out of Elevate gyms. There's Jude uh, Jude and Adrian there. We've got like a Cairo, Dr. Nick Petrini in Seattle. We've got Dr. Rao who works with UW Sports Medicine, who's super helpful. So, and so many other people. And so I think like, for me, that collaboration is like so important. And if I ever got like an ego that like wanted me to be the one that like can do it all for the athlete, like that's, that's not helping them. And so I am definitely the first to say like humbling yourself, realizing like, okay, like what is going to be the best thing with the athlete? Who can I like collaborate with? Even if it's just a back and forth conversation, a lot of times that's like, that's what we're doing. We're like, Hey, this is what I see. Like maybe Danny and I like talking about biomechanics at practice or Dr. Nick and I like, Hey, did you feel the soft tissue? Or like, June Adrian to elevate like oh like this is the way they're moving in the gym like this could be this or like how can we do injury prevention you know from a strength standpoint so it's like that collaboration is just so important and something I like stand by so hard for anyone in athletic training but then also like if you're if you're an athlete and you're trying to seek like like seeking medical help is important and so I think like kind of like how you have a coach to like coach you in running like you do need I think someone, especially if you're at the elite level and, you know, there are people at other levels that are like free to you, whether you're in high school and have an athletic trainer, college, you should have an athletic trainer and then professional level. It's a little bit more free form depending on like what company or brand or team or what, what your situation is. And so just finding someone that can like help guide you from like a health standpoint, I think is just, yeah, super important. As someone who's constantly seeking to learn and think through these things and collaborate with all sorts of different individuals for the betterment of the athlete, uh, it reminds me of something you mentioned a few times, which is work-life balance. So I'm curious, how, do, how does work-life balance mix with everything you just said, where when you're saying that stuff, I'm like, man, her, her brain must be running 24-7. So how do you shut <laughs> things off when you, when you have to? Yeah, work-life balance is super important to me. I think, like, it's definitely what will help me have, like, a long career. Like, burnout in athletic training or a lot of medical professions, like, is really high. And so, um, like, finding time for myself and, like, doing things that I enjoy. Or, like, we travel to altitude camps for, like, long lengths of the year. I go to all those altitude camps. So that's, like, months on end. Like, this year, like, a few weeks ago, I had spent more time out of Seattle than I had in Seattle. And, like, I have a husband, I have a dog, like we have a life and friends and family and things like that. And so I think like finding that balance of like, okay, how can I like feel like a fulfilled person myself? So that way I can like better help these athletes. Cause I think if you're, if you're not able to kind of like help yourself, like find happiness or find balance, like you're, it's really, really hard to help others. And so, um, yeah, I like being active myself. I enjoy hiking. So like when we're here at Altu camp, like Saturdays are sometimes a down day and not saying I don't end up then working with an athlete in a situation on a Saturday, but I try to like, maybe get outside, spend some time in nature. Um, my husband and I got a kayak a few years ago. So we enjoy like kayaking and getting on the water feels like just like recentering. I like a lot of different forms of exercise. So I really like running, but I like like lifting. I like yoga. So trying to like do things that like make me feel good from that standpoint, like help me with the work life balance. I think one of the harder ones is like relationships. So really just like I kind of make it a point and this is something in recent years I don't think it was something I was very good at at the beginning like right out of college I think like I look back on that time and it was really hard to like connect with you know people in college like you're like you really have to put yourself out there and make those phone calls and I, I don't think I did a great job of that and so it's something I've reflected back on like okay like if I've got the time or I've got like a second like I'm this might be a little bit a little bit extreme but like I've hopped on a lot of red eye flights to like make it home for 48 hours and then hop back and then like fly back for camp. So like I operate well under chaos. And so I'm okay if like 
if it's making me feel balanced to like spend time with family or like, you know, hop on that red eye flight, like I'll do it. Not saying that that's how everyone can sustain themselves. That might be exhausting, but that's how I feel fulfilled is like making sure I like really um, focus on relationships. And so in the last few years, I've really tried to like make sure I'm reaching out if I'm thinking about someone, especially like when I'm at camp, like I still have some friends in Albuquerque from living here. So I'm really fortunate. This is where we come for camp, but definitely finding time for those selves. And then even setting personal goals. I like, yeah, trying to visit all 50 states and I accomplished that before I turned 30. That was awesome. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that was like a fun way. It made like traveling to trips like really fun. I like, I will say the time I went to Minnesota, I like, we had a long layover at the airport. Airports didn't count, by the way. I had to like, have done something of meaning in the state but like so i i like we had a long layover in minnesota i like left i left my bags with some athletes i like ubered to the mall of america so like some of the trips were a little bit like random like that i i did this i went to a ceu course like continuing education in virginia but then like went and saw like all the northeast by myself so i think like for me having those those exciting goals and things to look forward to um while like marrying them with like work a little bit uh really helped me so yeah, accomplishing 50 states is awesome. Um, my goal this next like 30 to 40 is like, I'm gonna try to do 10 new countries in the 10 years. So that's what I'm working towards right now. We got hopefully three coming this summer. Yeah, so. I was gonna say it's probably easier with your athletes crushing it. And with that comes the opportunity to race in Europe. So yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that's awesome. Do you find it hard to sacrifice? Or do you think that comes naturally to you? I find it hard. I think I, I find it hard, but it's gotten manageable. Like I think it used to be something that made me like feel really conflicted or like unhappy. And so I think now it's still hard, but I can find like happiness in it or joy or like in, in being really present. I think that's super important. So instead of like looking at what I'm missing out on, I look what I'm like getting the opportunity to take part in. Um, I think like my friends in college like would laugh at me because I had like the worst FOMO. So like anytime I missed out on something, I like oh, I felt that, you know, I was like, oh, no, I missed this. And like, I hated that. I hated that so much. And so I think now, like, I miss a lot. Like, I miss weddings and bachelorette parties and like babies being born. And like, I miss a lot with this job, but being really present and like really um, focusing on like how happy I am to be where I am, like really helps. And then just really trying to fulfill things like and roll around myself um, outside of that. So when Josh medals at the Olympics or Nia and Isaiah, Nia wins the U.S. championships, Isaiah makes the team, are those moments all the more meaningful due to that sacrifice? And do you almost feel like their performances are a validation of all the hard work you've put in over the years, investing into them, sacrificing these things? And it's like, this is exactly why I do it. Um, that's a that's a tricky question. I Those moments are so impactful and so exciting and I'm, I'm a pretty like emo uh, emotional person when it comes out I get I get like really happy like I was like crying when Josh won bronze there was like a few weeks ago with Nia and Isaiah like instant bowling our like head of sports marketing look back and she's like oh my goodness like I didn't <laughs> expect there so those moments like they do feel so good but there's there's so much to that journey that you can't put all the weight in those moments. Like you, you have to like realize that like, no matter the outcome, the whole journey is really important. I think that's, that's important for athletes too. Like if you only hang like all of your success and happiness on like the big moment, it'll be really hard to come off of those moments. So if you really like invest in the process and you like invest in your goals and say you come off of something that didn't go the way that you did, you can like reframe and bounce back. I think that's what makes an elite athlete. And so I kind of mirror that in the same way. Like I'll be with them no matter, you know, I'll be there as a support of like happiness or like, you know, maybe we're like, oh, we didn't quite, you know, do what we want to do with this one. So I'll be with them no matter what. So as exciting as fun as those are, like, it's the whole journey that like makes it, you know, it's those like, those like super weird days that, you know, you like impacted in a positive way, or it's like, yeah, helping someone manage an injury and like, getting to the start line, like, sometimes like, that's like, I know how much hard work it took them just to get to the start line. The outcome is like the cherry on top. When talking about like coming back from an injury, I know that their goals are like loftier than that. But for me, I'm like, okay, if we're on like the start line healthy. I remember that was something like in 2015, one of the UNM coaches looked at me and he was like, Sarah, he's like, we were, they were about to like kick off. And he goes, we have like the healthiest team on the start line today. He's like, you should feel really proud of that. And that's something I carry with me. I'm like, okay, if we are like getting there and and that doesn't mean like sacrifice, like, oh, you're going to get on the start line no matter what. Like, no, no, no. I like definitely take that serious. And like, you know, there's a time to race and there's a time where it's just not available to you because of what your body's feeling. And so I think like it's it's the whole thing. It's the whole picture. 
Can you describe what your day-to-day, week-to-week schedule job looks like with the bees hands-on? Because I feel like people like yourself do so much that from the outside world's perspective, I'm like, okay, I could guess what I think she does, but I don't quite know the the details of it. So can you fill those in for me? Yeah, yeah. So um, I am kind of with the beast wherever they are, right? So um, we home based in Seattle. We also come to Albuquerque. We're going to meets. So I travel to all of those things. Sometimes with the meets, it's like where majority is going. Um, or sometimes that gets a little bit trickier once they all start spreading out. But um, the day-to-day is like, Maybe it's like, so we'll kind of go through the week. We've got like normal run days and maybe drills. So I'll meet them at like a park in Seattle. Let's say we're at Green Lake. So we'll, I'll get to Green Lake like before they're supposed to start like their runs. I have a massage table that just lives in the back of my car. It gets whipped out. I definitely get a lot of comments from random passerby like, oh, me next. You know, like <laughs> I, I, I wish I had gotten better at like a comeback for those, but I just don't. I get really awkward and smiling. I'm like, ah, like, <laughs> like, no, sorry, not for you. But, um, but yeah, so the massage table's in the middle of a parking lot. Uh, athletes hop on. It's like uh, normally we already know something that they're going through or they've communicated kind of how their body's feeling. Unless they wake up and they feel something new, we kind of have an idea of what we're looking for in that time frame so this isn't like the long treatment session we're not gonna be on the table for very long it's like we're hopping on they've got to start practice they're doing like their own like prehab drills and stuff like that they're getting warmed up and so normally it's like okay we're checking in like maybe yesterday your joint range of motion like looks a little bit off like your straight leg raise your right leg didn't come up as far as the left and so it's like okay let's try to like make sure that that's like rebound so it's like this quick little check-in I almost call it like my NASCAR pit stop it's like okay we like already know what the like foundation of this is let's see what we need to do to like run today and then um then after practice so then it's like if it's a workout day they'll go and lift so i'll go to the gym with them um it might be even awesome like i said strength and conditioning staff um and so sometimes it's just helping the athletes like facilitate like lifting and like making sure they're doing the exercises properly maybe we need to modify something depending on how their body's feeling so i'll help a little bit with that at the gym and then on the days where they're doing like more drill sessions danny and i and julian our assistant coach are kind of watching their form so if they're doing like you know your typical like a skip b skip ankle dribbles all of that we're kind of like watching for symmetries or asymmetries collaborating and talking about that um and so that's kind of what those like other days look like and then in the afternoons is when I do like longer treatment sessions so that's when it's like athletes will get a scheduled length of time with me we like really dive into like okay let's like really look at the body full picture like what are we addressing are we like gonna do a lot of soft tissue work today are we gonna use another modality like ultrasound shockwave something like that are we working on rehab so then that's our length of time to like really spend like dedicated one-on-one no distractions and so um, in Seattle, I like home base out of a Cairo clinic um, with Dr. Nick Petrini. And so I've got like a space in there that they come and see me at. Um, when we're in Albuquerque, that looks like me driving from Airbnb to Airbnb. So all day long, I'm like, I'm pretty organized. So I'm like able to like schedule things quickly. I'm like, okay, like Mia's got this at four and Allie's got this at six, but how can I like get to your house and make it to the guy's house? And so I'm like driving all over Albuquerque. Um, I'm actually excited that... Uh, we're now doing this podcast. I'll listen to your podcast more because I'm like in the car, just like doing those types of, yeah, just driving around when it comes to Albuquerque. Um, so it's kind of what the week looks like from that standpoint. Yeah. I mean, they do like normal, they've got like two workout days a week, which means two lifts, long run. We meet up like beforehand, kind of same deal. I'll do like treatments with them. So typically it's like, I mean, sometimes that's like a seven day work week. Sometimes it's like Wednesdays and Saturdays are like a down day. So if, if we have an opportunity where like people don't need as much, then I'll, I'll take those days. Sometimes, typically not Wednesday, but maybe Saturday. So, yeah. A word that came to mind when you were describing all of that is the word meticulous. What does that word mean to you in relation to your job? Because it sounds like you and the whole operation are very meticulous individuals. Meticulous. Oh, uh, oh I don't know. I don't think I've ever thought of myself as being meticulous. I think, <laughs> I think I'm a little bit more, uh, I, I'm able to like, take like spontaneous things and like organize them right it's like okay we've got this day that's like really unstructured how can I then like organize it or like take this like chaotic like schedules or situations and like kind of hone them in so I don't know if like meticulous is the right word I think if you were to like ask any of my roommates and like maybe my own my own personal life organization may not isn't historically like the best like laundry is like the bane of my existence so I don't know if like meticulous or maybe I'm not even interpreting that word right but um I'll have to look. Yeah, I want to. I want to look up the definition because I. Yeah. Meticulous. I'm telling you, this is totally you. 
At least, at least in regards to athletic training. Okay, meticulous means showing great attention to detail, very careful and precise. At least in regards to athletic training, that totally sounds like you. Like, I'm not saying you you don't have like other skills and attributes and adjectives to describe those different aspects of life, but um, it seems like you spend great attention to detail with each athlete. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's a better way of saying it, but that kind of defines yeah. the word. So no, I, I I could see that. I think it's something that's definitely evolved over time. I think like the beginning scenario of an athletic trainer, you like look at this injury and you're like, okay, I need to fix this muscle. You know, like this muscle. Like, what can we do to this muscle? And over time, it's like especially like really honing in with runners. It's so much of a broader picture. Like it's it's so much more full body than like maybe just that one area that's like hurting. Like when you're dealing with like chronic running injuries and things like that, it's like you gotta you gotta look full body like really unless you have something like really acute happen you like step in a hole and spring your ankle like or you know something like that happens a lot of times it's like it's it's an imbalance that's happening and so being meticulous is that you like you have to like look for those things i think it's something that like as i've worked with more elite people i've been able to like like evolve that skill a little bit more it's something that i'm still evolving i think it's something that's like ever evolving it's something that i collaborate with other people on and so i think like yeah, when you're, um, like, a track athlete, I think, like, I don't know, I feel like maybe they, like, get shit for being needy or, like, get shit for being on the table all the time or, like, they need so much or, like, and quite honestly, I, I don't, like, like when people say that. It really bothers me. I, like, don't like when people, like, oh, you're in the athletic training room all the time. It's, like, I think that track athletes in particular are just really in tune with their bodies. And a lot of times if they're coming to you with something that's, like, that's nagging them like that's the body telling you something like something's off there like something maybe is imbalanced like and so I think them telling you that ahead of time like yes it's not this catastrophic injury but if you catch it now and you address the problem like the root of the problem you can prevent that catastrophic injury from happening you can prevent that like season ending like or chronic injury from occurring and so I think that that is super important and like um and it's something that I've evolved I think like in the beginning I was like oh, I have to be like so hands-on all the time. But then over time, it's like, okay, like how can I empower the athletes to like notice these things about their bodies? What are some things that they can do then on their own? A lot of what I do is like educating, right? Because it's like they can do some of this like prehab at home or like say they're traveling, I'm not there. Like there are things that you can do on your own. And so I think like kind of like being like, okay, if a track athlete is like coming in to see me all the time, then um like kind of taking a step back and saying, like, am I giving them the tools necessary to be successful? Like, is our plan working? Am I communicating these things effectively? Like really reframing instead of just being like, they're needy, they need me all the time and be, and like, yeah, really think about like why they need you. Cause I think that there's, there's so much they can do on their own and you can empower them to do. And there's so much you can still do too, but it doesn't all have to be hands-on. What do you pride yourself on? I pride myself on. Like, what Um, do you, at the end of the day, if you were to retire today, July 31st, 2023, what would you look back on your career and say, I was really, really good at this one thing, or I brought this level of X, Y, and Z to my athletes, or like, you know, those closest to me would say I'm best at X, Y, and Z. Might sound a bit strong, especially because most people I talk to are very humble, so they probably don't like that verbiage, but I'm curious. That's exactly where my head was at. I'm like, uh, like I, what am I like proud of? I think I do think that I like, I mean, I I might go back to like collaborating with other people. I think like, I care about these athletes, like I want to form a connection with them. I want like, I have a genuine investment in their goals, like their goals are my goals. So it's like, I'm here to like, encourage you to keep moving on this path and not to like stop you in your tracks. Like I don't, you know, if your goal is to do this, and you get injured, like, how can we like stay close to that goal while keeping it safe for you? And so to me, I, I feel really proud that that's like a mentality that I have. Like I I don't want to be someone that's just like, oh, you're injured. Like you got to just, and sometimes there is a time where you have to put a hard stop. Like there are injuries that, that need serious intervention. Like, okay, like we got, we really got to take a step back and shut things down. But sometimes there's like, you can really stay aligned with that path. So I, I do feel really proud that like, I, I feel that way. And that like, I feel like I create a safe place for athletes because of that. And so I think like the connection and then for other medical professionals too, I think like I, I think that I'm like pretty easy to work with. And I think that that's like an attribute to them. Like, I think like we can all like set our egos aside because they know like my, uh, my goal is like for the best interest of the athlete. And we're all like have that same feeling. So I think, yeah, just creating like a good atmosphere for like healthcare for them and like a really comfortable space. Like I feel really proud and like, hopefully like the athlete, I, I think that that's how they feel, but I, um, 
I hope that I like create that environment that they feel like they can like always come to me and that I am going to have like their best interests. So I feel proud that that's my attitude, I guess, or uh, that's an important thing to me. I can tell you're uncomfortable answering that question. So I appreciate <laughs> you doing so. It just, uh, it shows a level of humility that, that you possess. So I appreciate that and I admire it. Um, something I'm curious about, I always love asking people who are around successful individuals for an extended period of time, as you kind of have shared within your journey, you have the privilege of being a part of, you know, championship teams in the NCAA, as well as in present day, as I kind of mentioned, some of the Mm -hmm. accomplishments or recent accomplishments of the Brooks Beast. You've been around such successful people as well as organizations and teams. So with that in mind, what are some of Mm -hmm. the biggest commonalities you see within successful organizations, teams, and individuals? Okay. So I think, I mean, it's going to circle back to a few things that I've talked about, but really it's like, like, I think with our team right now and like where we've seen the team like grow from like a beast standpoint and like from like, even that, like you have to be like really serious about your goals, but then, and there's a time and place to not be serious. So I think for the athletes that like, they really know what they want and they're committing to it. Like, this is my job. Like I'm here to like, of course I want to like enjoy what I'm doing and like have fun. But a lot of them have like the, the attitude that they've like turned towards is, is taking it very seriously. Like really seeing it as a lifestyle. Like they know when there's a time to like be a professional athlete and that's most of the year. And then they get time where they can like chill out and not be a professional athlete. And I think like in college, you see some of those goals like start to like trickle in. You'll see like some of those college athletes like start to separate from the others. And it's like, this level of seriousness that they bring to the table, like they've established these like high level goals, kind of like what I mentioned earlier. And they're, they're eliminating that fluff. They're eliminating those things that aren't going to help them achieve that. And so I think like watching these athletes and like successful people, like kind of realize that like, man, is, is this helping me accomplish my goal? And of course, like I, I definitely condone every, every one of these athletes to be a well-rounded individual, but like that does come with like some sacrifices. Like there are things that like, you know, like maybe like one of the professional athletes, like, they enjoy beer and of course like they should like if that's something they like want to enjoy but they know when they shouldn't enjoy it and most of the time like they're not drinking within the season and like they they make like a sacrifice or like they love eating ice cream every day and it's like they cut cut that out to like sacrifice and you know there's a time and place to like enjoy yourself and I think they know that but kind of really committing and like really being all in and then um really like trusting the process I think like trusting the process is really big too I think like you see the coaches have gotten to these positions like for a reason, like, you know, they, they are there to guide you. And so I think like seeing successful people like really trust in that. I think for the beast too, it's like the way we like want to like lead the team, like works so much better if they trust the process, like going all in, like when there's like a lot of resistance to like, okay, like, you know, I want to be like free floating or kind of like doing my own thing a little bit more. It's like, it's harder to like have them like connect. So I think like trusting the process and then like, yeah, really turning it on from like a serious standpoint with everything like kind of leading to that high level goal. As I'm sure many of our listeners know, the the tagline, the motto of Brooks running, if I'm not mistaken, is run happy. How does Mm -hmm. that apply to you? And what are your thoughts on it in relation to to your career? Yeah, I I love the run happy motto. I think like, for me personally, like running makes me very happy. Seeing people succeed at running makes me very happy. Being around running makes me very happy. And so I think like, here I am just I talked about athletes being really serious they like they're serious but they're enjoying it too like they're they're goofing around they're connecting with each other they're like talking about random things on runs they're like chilling in the parking lot in lawn chairs like after practice they're like hanging out on the massage table like there's like so many things that we're doing that like bring so much happiness to like something that they're pretty serious about and so I think like the run happy is like I like I sometimes tagline I'm like run happy and run healthy because I think that those two like coincide for me I'm like okay like to keep them running happy like they want to like feel good doing that so that's where I like tie run happy into kind of my world is like running running healthy will keep them like running happy one final serious question for you today to kind of wrap up our conversation you'll definitely have to get you back on because like there's so many questions in my mind oh. <laughs> so, yeah what I always say with my guests if they make it to this point so you should you should feel privileged you made it to this point because it's few okay. and far between is when you hit the 50 minute mark and I feel like I have a lot to ask you about I'm like one wrap it up because I don't want to make a two-hour podcast. And two, that just means you have to get them back on to do another 50-minute episode. So I appreciate this and and all the wisdom you shared in regards to your story, and it's been so much fun. But my one final serious question for you, just to kind of draw some substance for the listener today, 
What would be some practical advice or tips for the listener today in regards to your work or your work with athletes? Maybe a takeaway from, you know, an exercise or listening to your body or just something you've seen in your athletes to kind of draw some substance to what we've said today and apply it to the listener, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think um, for me, like, I, it circles back a little bit, but like addressing injuries really soon. If your body is telling you something, like listen to that and really try to like get ahead of it. Like I think that for runners, like those chronic injuries, like those are the things that end up keeping you off for a really long time. But there can be warning signs like early on that can help you like make changes. And it, it might mean like a few days off there in the beginning. Don't be afraid to take those days in the beginning because it might save you a lot of days on the back end. And definitely like the three kind of like areas that I like, I just think are so important is like keeping like good joint mobility, your soft tissue elasticity, and then like muscle activation. Those are things I could like go into like a deeper dive, but those like three marks and it's like, they're pretty key in the way that I like, phrase those two. It's not like muscle strength, which is important, but it's like activation. So you're like recruiting like the right muscles and like everything's turned on to like make you a functional runner. And then like soft tissue elasticity doesn't mean like static stretching forever. Like if anything, like, please don't do that. It's more like making sure that like that tissue can like handle the load that you're placing it under. So you need, you need it to have like, it might be like there's a fine line between being like taut and like too loose and you want to find that, that realm. So if like your tissue is like getting a little bit too tight, you might like have a higher risk for injury. So definitely like addressing that, that can, I mean, soft tissue elasticity is like, again, not like the static stretching. I mean, more like foam rolling and like, um, getting soft tissue works. Like those kinds of things are important. And then the joint mobility. So it's like, maybe everyone's kind of felt that like, Oh, my ankle feels like so stiff. Like, why can I not like dorsiflex, which is just like bringing your toes and your foot like towards your, towards your body. And you're like, you're maybe lacking that a little bit or like some, some other joint, the hip, uh, knee, like anything. And so it's like, addressing that make sure because your tissue can't like um work to its like proper function if that joint isn't already available to like have that movement so those three things i think are huge um takeaways too so making sure that you're like looking at at those three things like checking the boxes there and then yeah addressing things like early this conversation has been an absolute pleasure one final question for you the question i ask every guest on every podcast if you had gordon ramsay coming over for dinner what would you choose to make for him (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm not going to lie. I listened to your podcast. So I knew this question was coming. I really had to think about it. And this might be, did you ask dinner? Is that, Cause that's a key. You like, can make whatever you want, whatever you want. Okay. Breakfast, lunch, go, dinner, dessert. I'm going to go breakfast because this is something that I, I eat all the time. So I'm like, surely I can like maybe nail one in particular for Gordon Ramsay, but I make a lot of like smoothie bowls. Like I'm like love being able to put as many healthy things into like one meal as they can. And I just like love like something cold in the morning with like something crunchy on top. So I'd make like, yeah, I'd make like a bomb smoothie bowl. There's tons of variations of the smoothie bowl, but that's what I would, I would head on. I love it. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure as I just mentioned a minute ago. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I feel like 54 minutes in, I know so much more than I ever (laughs) knew about you before. And that was the intent and goal of this episode. So I appreciate your openness uh, in sharing your story and some of the different aspects that I know our listeners will positively take away. So thank you so much for doing this and uh, best of luck with everything upcoming because I know you're going to crush it. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much too. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at the running effect. I hope your running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.